0: Good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Altzan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, True Tools, try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Once you go to Eagles 499 9526 you stick a 225 right in front of that number. And you can reach us from anywhere in the continental United States. That's right. Why don't you go and give us a call? We really appreciate hearing from our out-of-town guests or our Bad Rouge guests as well. That's it. We'll take the questions take, we can get. That's right. Take it, take it where we get it. A <laughs> <laughs> whole lot more interesting than us sitting here babbling back and forth. That's I'm for a fact. Trying to think of something to say. In <laughs> <laughs> just in case you happen to think of something after the show goes off the air, or maybe you just don't want to call.
1: Right. You can always get your questions answered anyway by going to our website. And the address is www dot agcoauto.com that is a g c o a u t o there is a contact bar on each and every page you can send lewis an email any time of the day or night and get it back within 24 hours that is correct. a lot of times sooner just depending on what time of the day you send the question
0: if i happen to be sitting at the computer which is an awful lot of the time then i normally get an answer right back to you maybe within 10 minutes maybe within an hour or whatever time frame i manage but, right uh, yeah, you, know, you send it after about eight in the afternoon. And it would probably be the next morning before I get a chance to get back to you, because I'm generally to sleep by about eight, <laughs> <laughs> about eight eight thirty. have out. So if you happen after that, then I'll get back to you first thing in the morning. But generally within twenty four hours, or always within twenty four hours, and generally a lot faster than that. I'm gonna right. get an answer back to you. Should
1: you happen not to get an answer back within twenty four hours. Check the return address and resend the question.
0: That's right. Because if you happen to type in a wrong return address, that's pretty easy when you're keying in all those figures. And I I will send it, but when it bounces back to me, that's as far as I can go. And that happens to me probably at least once a week. Right. Someone will send one, and i send it, and it pops back, address unknown or no such user at this address or whatever. And that's as far as I can go. And a lot of times I'll get a follow-up email from them, and I didn't hear from you, yeah, 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 and then I send it and it goes through. So, right. And you're looking, there's one or two characters different. So I always check that because I never ignore an email. I always answer every single one. So just in case you don't get an answer, just go ahead and send it again, I'll get it back to you. Hey, we're going to our phone lines with Herb. Good morning, Herb. Good morning. Good
2: morning. calling from our, from our brother little law and mm-hmm. I, I had the same problem with my truck. Okay. He's a 2001 Ford. It cools, air conditioning works good going down the road, but the instant you slow down to a red light or leave it sitting there ironing, it quits cooling and you cut it off, go back, get on the road for about a few minutes and then turn it back on and mm-hmm. it seems like it's working again. So, Yeah,
0: Herb, that can be a real, real, real big problem. It's not too hard to fix right now for the most part, but it's going to turn into a super major issue if you let it go. I can tell you what most of the time the issue is and Ford seems to be particularly prone to this, but the fan clutch will actually go bad on those, and it doesn't move enough air through the condenser, and what happens is that when the airflow through the condenser stops when you're sitting at an idle, that's when you need it. Going down the road, you really don't need a fan, because you got 40-mile-an-hour wind blowing through that condenser, but when that airflow is insufficient, what's going to happen is the head pressure is going to go sky-high, and it's going to start overloading that compressor. It's going to overheat it, and a couple of things are going to happen. Either it's going to overheat the clutch and kick it out, and it's going to quit pulling, or some of them actually have a thermal switch, which will actually kick out and cut the compressor off. Once you start moving and the air pressure comes through it and the head pressure comes back down, then it'll start working again. Now, the problem with that is every time it overpressures that compressor, it's going to tear it up. It's not going to take too many times over the limit to put the compressor out. Also, that excessive pressure can take out the evaporator core, which is a huge, huge issue because you got to pull an entire dash out of the truck. So, extremely important to get that diagnosed and get that corrected right away. Right now, it could be as simple as just changing the fan clutch.
3: Okay.
0: And another thing that can cause that is a restricted condenser, even though the fan clutch is working, if the flow is not adequate through the condenser, it can do the same thing. So it's going to need a little bit of detective work to make sure that's it. But make sure he gets that fixed right away. Tell him don't put up with it and don't try to run it because he will definitely take out some major components.
4: Okay. I sure appreciate you telling me. Okay, Herb. Thanks, sir. Thanks,
0: man. Bye-bye. 499 9526 number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we would love to have you. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? we are glad to try to help you out and put you in the right direction. And we got BJ online. Good morning,
4: BJ. Hey, long time listener, first time caller. I oh, want well, to you, you guys because I think you do a good job. Well, good. Well, Thanks thank you. for calling. I'm in a contest with a General Motors dealer over a warranty issue. Okay. The new car
5: mm-hmm.
4: put up for sale on November 25th, 'o eight. Was sold on
5: 0609,
4: mm-hmm. and I bought the car on 91509.
0: Okay,
4: got a problem with it, and now they're telling me the end service date was 112508, which was the day that that they put it up for sale.
0: Well, now let me ask you this, B.J.: Was the car titled
4: previous to you getting it? Yes. What happened? Okay. Is was a new car, Uh set on a lot from November to June. Mm -hmm. I guess General Motors were on their back to move some cars. Yes, sir.
0: Mm -hmm.
4: So they sold it to the used car lot.
0: Yes, sir. See, now, technically, the warranty is going to run from the first time the car is titled. Even if they sold it to themselves, that's where your warranty starts. Whoever the original purchaser is, when he takes delivery, not when you take delivery.
4: Yeah, that's, so that's correct.
0: It's going to expire at that date in three, four, whatever the number of contract years it is from the date of first in service, which is the date it was titled originally.
4: That's right. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. But what these guys are trying to tell me that the clock started ticking in November when they put it up for sale. Well, that wouldn't be true. It
0: would be whenever it was first titled or placed into service.
4: It was first titled on 0609.
0: Yeah, well then that should be the effective date of the warranty. Went into service.
4: That's the date that the salesman wrote down on the info that he mm-hmm. gave me. He indicated the original in service date. Yes, sir. Well, was
0: and it's not a problem to check that because the Department of Motor Vehicles will give you that information, I believe. I don't I think that's public information. If you go up there and give them the title to the car and ask when it was previously titled, when was it previously titled? And I believe that information is gonna be public information.
4: Well, probably will. I got a Carfax um, mm-hmm. printout here that was given to me by the dealership when I bought the car. Yes, sir. Uh-huh. And it shows the history on it. Yes, sir. That it was offered for sale on 112508. Mm-hmm. 8 It was titled... 0609. And see,
0: Carfax is not going to be an official document. However, they do normally take their information from official documents. Yeah. So while it wouldn't hold up in court, you could go back and check with an official type document because it is possible they keyed something in wrong or whatever. So you can't use that as an argument point. I mean, it's it's interesting for sure, but it just doesn't arise to the occasion of being an official document that yeah. you could be substantiated in court.
4: Okay. Well, the fact that the salesman wrote down 0609... Uh-huh. Well,
0: again, that, that doesn't rise to what they call technical proof in a court of law. It's going to be whatever the state says is a date it was titled. So that's the information you're going to have to have. You have all the jotted down notes and car faxes in the world because people do make mistakes. Yeah. And that can't. that's not admissible as evidence. It's going to be whatever the facts are. But, again, that normally, those items generally are going to come from facts, so it certainly lends more credence to what you're saying. you just got to confirm it. Yeah. And whatever is that official date on the original title is going to be what the deal is.
4: Okay. And if I go to DMV, they'll be able to tell me I think me they can,
0: yes, sir. You have to ask them. I mean, I don't see why that would be privileged information or why that wouldn't be available to you if you own the car. Yeah.
4: Okay. All right. Thanks. You do a good job. Keep oh, it up. Well, thank you,
0: BJ. Bye-bye. 499 9526 number. If you want to be part of the automotive I we would love to have you. And we're going back to the phone lines with John. Good morning, John.
2: Uh, good morning, Lewis. This is uh, John in Fort Allen. Okay. Um, I want to start with a, a ringing endorsement of Agco. Oh, thank you. I've been, I've been dealing with you for probably 25 years now, and I've never gotten such good value out of my vehicles.
0: Well, I appreciate it.
2: In addition to that, um, the calls about how you started, about the, about how you answer questions on your website. Yes, sir. And I just want everybody to know how valuable that is. I got a daughter in Houston, and uh-huh. a daughter in Cincinnati. And call with a car question beyond how to change the oil. I say, well, email Lewis on his website, and he'll get back to you. That has been. Absolutely priceless to us when you have daughters in another city. Oh,
0: yeah, I can only imagine. Yeah, I, I remember getting a couple of those letters, John. And that's one reason I set up that website was just for that precise reason. It at least gives you a good, honest opinion that you can get. That's kind of hard to get elsewhere.
2: Exactly. And that's in, which leads into my question. Mm-hmm. And you might already have this on the website. Or you might already set it on the show. But I know that probably some people kinda of ramble, sorta of like this question is doing. <laughs> is there kind of a is there kind of a checklist of information that would be most valuable to you when people call in or rather when people email you to help you to get straight to the heart of the problem?
0: Sort of John. I got that in a bunch of different articles that talks about it and there's a little blurb. When you go to the contact form, if you look to your left there's a quick tip there. And the thing, just want to put it in a nutshell, what any shop needs to know is, number one, what is the car doing that you don't want it to be doing? Or conversely, what is it not doing that you do want it to be doing? Okay. Because folks will call all the time and they'll say, well, how much is a change of fuel pump? Well, what you've done there is you've diagnosed your own problem, probably incorrectly. So what I need to know is when I turn the key, it crank, crank, cranks, but it doesn't start. Right. And that's true of anybody, anywhere trying to get auto service if you will tell the shop what it's doing that you don't want it to do or what is it not doing that you do want it to do that's going to almost always get you to the right point there's an article entitled shops are from mars and people are from earth and it talks about shops actually talk a different language than normal human beings like they were martians or something and it goes in and says what martians like to hear or what martians need to hear to get the job done so that's probably a good article on that topic. Just go to the search bar type in Mars. That article will give you a whole, whole bunch of information on that topic.
2: Fantastic. And I just want to say how much we appreciate you and Agco. Oh, well, I sure thank
0: you, Colin, man. Thank you, sir. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. 499-9526 is the number if you want to be part of the automotive. I, we'd love to have you. That was awful nice of him. It. it sure was. Yeah. I had a guy who emailed earlier this week and had a, a fairly involved question where he's had a vibration going on in his truck. And he had checked this, 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 and he suspected it might be a bent wheel or something. He emailed, and I wrote him a reply back, and I told him some things to check. And I referred him to the series of articles we had on vibrations, and he wrote back with some follow-up information, and I sent him another reply and suggested to him that you may want to check for run-out in the axle flanges. uh, Things like that, stuff you don't normally see, run-out in the pinion flanges, so on. And he wrote back and said, man, can I send you a donation? I said, well, that's really not necessary. I'm always glad to help. Right. In fact, if you want to thank a shop or thank us particularly, go to iTunes and just leave positive feedback. That would be great. Best thank you that you can give us, because what that does is it moves you up in the rankings on iTunes. And the higher ranked podcasts are going to appear first. So more people are going to see them, which means more people are going to listen. Correct. Which ultimately achieves our goal. So, that, yeah, if you want to thank me or thank us for this show, that the best way you can possibly do it is go on iTunes and just give us a written review. And, boy, that really makes our day. We didn't get any last week. Really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, li- you, you come out in the shop Monday morning bragging, you yeah. know, at little, this point. And... Yeah, I was a little down in the dumps, man. Didn't get wow. Up. Not a single one an entire week. But... Okay. okay. Maybe we'll do better this week. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're going to take a quick little break. David, hold on. You'll be straight up after this break.
3: i get your kicks. On Route 66 six. Just a guy here for Agco Automotive With a few things that chap my hide lately $150 jeans Vanity licenses that are too complex to read Billboards that say drive carefully Think about that one Child beauty pageants I mean let's go ahead and set these kids up for failure Before they get to kindergarten And how about when you try to be nice And let someone out in traffic And they won't go because they're talking on the cell phone Here's a message for you PUT THE PHONE DOWN! Another thing that chaps my hide is repair shops that use Swaptronics to fix your car. That's where they can't pinpoint the exact problem, so they just change parts, hoping to fix something, which means your repair bill could double. The experts at AGCO determine the exact problem, then fix it right the first time, at the price quoted, which does not chap my hide. One more info? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Agco, it's the place to go.
0: Hey, welcome back. If you join us the automotive hour, I'm your host, Lewis Albazan with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, Twin Tours will try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us calls? 499 9526 of course, you happen to be outside of our calling area, just put a 225 in front of there and you can reach us from anywhere in the United States. And we're going back to our phone lines with David. Good morning, David.
2: Good morning, gentlemen. How are y'all doing? Doing good great, morning. sir. Great. Good. good. First, four quick things. One, you worked on my mom's Honda. Her air conditioner was not working right. You mm-hmm. know the shop kept telling her one thing. and. You guys nailed it, great. so I appreciate
0: that. Well, thank you.
2: <laughs> Two things. I'll always. Second thing, I always enjoy your commercials. They're, <laughs> they're a hoot.
0: <laughs> yeah, Jeff English does a great job on those.
2: <laughs> they're a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I guess, in, and I, I'll skip one, but the main thing is I have a. I just bought a, a 2005 Chevrolet Tahoe. Okay. It's got a small V8 in it. Yes, sir. And I seem to be using about a gallon of antifreeze about every four
1: to six weeks.
0: That Mm. is an excessive amount. Yeah, it's way, way, way too much. They really shouldn't use any at all because of sealed system. But, I mean, a couple of ounces a year would be okay. I'm going to tell you a couple of things on that particular V8 that is pretty common. Number one, most common, is the water pump gaskets will leak. And what happens, they just seep out, and the water runs back onto the engine block, and the fan blows it up against the block, so the heat of the engine evaporates it, and you never see it. Okay,
6: that's what I was
0: wondering. Mm -hmm. And I tell you, I don't normally change the water pump, even though I have to take it off, only because they're expensive as a devil, and the original pumps are better than the replacement pumps you buy. so if you got i mean if you had three hundred thousand miles i'd probably suggest changing the pump but if you got like 100 or less somewhere in that neighborhood i'd probably just take it off change the gaskets put the pump back on that's the case now if that's not it and you just absolutely can't find that leak that truck is right in that range that had to crack cylinder heads and i don't know if you've heard about that but if you go on my website and type in cracked head or something to that effect it's going to pull it up Okay. They had defective castings on those engines. They bought those heads from a place called Castech, which is a Mexican distributor, and the castings were weak. And what happens is when you think of a cracked head, most people think of a crack in the combustion chamber, but that's not what these do. These crack on top of the head around the head bolt. And when that happens, the coolant will actually seep into the oil. Now, the first thing, oil well, oil is not turning milky. Well, listen to me. It happens very slowly. It's seeping in. It's now, I poured two quarts of oil in two quarts of water into the oil, it would turn milky. But if it seeps in a little bit at a time, what happens is that the water boils off because the oil is above 212 degrees, and only the glycol stays, which will destroy the engine in time, but it won't turn all milky. So you need to check real careful, make sure it's the water pump gas. If it is, just change those gas, because if not, bring it to me, and I can check it and tell you, if it is that, you're going to have to deal with it real quick because it will take the engine out. That black yeah, oil will burn the bearings and the lifters and the camshaft and everything else up in the engine.
5: Right,
2: that's what I was wondering about. Can you still do pressure tests like you could on the old? Yes, radio sir, to-
0: absolutely. But a pressure test is not going to normally show this because it's a crack. It's going to lose so little pressure you won't hardly be able to tell. What you have to do on this one is pull the valve covers off, and you have to know where to look. And you pressure test it with a dye in it, and then you can see it coming out with a black light. But you got to yeah. know what you're looking for because the average, a casual inspection, you won't see it. It yeah, just seeps wondering- out.
2: Yeah, I was just wondering
0: mainly about the gasket leak. That would show me. Oh, uh, yeah, that you will see. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Now,
1: depending on how long it's been leaking, you may pull the valve cover off, and it's just nasty. Yeah. Then you know for a fact, yeah, it's definitely the head leaking. Yeah, you, you, it's all milk inside the valve once cover. Once you turn that valve cover upside down, you'll
0: be able to tell if it's got coolant in it or not. Mm-hmm. Okay. But well, on your uh, water pump, like I said, if you put pressure on you may have to leave it on there a while, but eventually you'll see water coming out. And without the engine running, the heat's not there to evaporate it, so it'll, it'll, it'll eventually run out. start to show.
2: Great. Thank you, gentlemen.
4: I appreciate it. Hi, All right, sir.
0: Hey, thanks Hi. for calling, man. Bye-bye. 499 number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Eye, we'd love to have you. And we got Troy online. line. Good morning, Troy.
4: Good morning, guys. Good, Good morning. Show. Thanks, sir. Thank you. I've got a 2004 GMC truck, uh-huh. Sierra truck. Yes, sir. And I cannot get the brakes to stop squealing. I took them apart a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. bought some high-dollar brake grease, Mm-hmm. Greased every place in there that the metal contact. Yes, sir. Uh-huh. It was good for a few days, mm-hmm. and then it got a little bit worse. Now it's back just like it always was. Yeah,
0: Troy. If it's still doing it after you greased it up properly, it's going to be one of about two or three different things. Number one and most common is the type of brake material you're using. And GM has got a specific pad for that truck, and actually got about 20 different pads for all those different trucks. And it is an extremely expensive pad, but the reason it is ceramic pad that's made exactly for that truck. Those are the only ones we've ever had luck with.
4: Okay, this is original pad. Still okay. has original pad. Okay,
0: on. and it's a 2004 model? Yes, sir. You may have to replace the pads. It's just apparently you don't put very many miles on them, and they, they could be they just gotten old. And when pads get old, they will get hard, and they will sometimes start squealing. Now... All that aside, check the face of the rotors real well and make sure it's perfectly smooth all the way out to the very edge. Because what happens a lot of times is the face of that rotor will wear in and it'll wear in very smooth. So it's a nice smooth finish, but it'll leave a little ridge on the outside edge of that rotor. And you might feel, you drag your finger across, you'll catch a little ridge around right the edge of the rotor. If that's the case, that ridge is going to rub on the outside of that pad and it's going to squeal and just make a noise to beat the band. You can sometimes go in with something like a little grinder of some sort, take the caliper off, spin the rotor, and just knock that edge down, and that will generally quiet them down. But that's another real common source of squealing noise. If none of that is it, then it's gonna to have to be one of the clips or something that holds the pads tight, is either missing or it's insufficient in strength or something like that. I've actually seen allowing them. the pads to move too much.
1: I've actually seen those little clips kinda of come out of the bracket that they're in and they'll rub the face of the rotor. I mm-hmm. mean the the edge of the rotor mm-hmm. and cause a squeal like- noise like that. It looks the like rear. they're
4: all in place and in good shape. I mean, a little rusty, but other than that, they were good. Yeah,
0: make sure you got good tension because they will kind of wear out in time, and they don't hold enough tension on the pads. So you got sort of an unusual situation in that you've gone a long, long number of years. You're nine years into a set of pads. Most people right. don't ever get that long. Right. You know, they wear them out sooner. But apparently, either extremely easy break or you just don't put them any miles on the truck.
4: They don't have about 85,000.
0: Yeah, see, and it could just be the pads have gotten old. And when they get old, they will get harder in time. And when they get hard, they will start squealing like that. Now, all of this said, if the noise doesn't bother you too much and it stops okay, I mean, you can just put up with noise till they wear out and then change them then. But it sounds like noise really aggravates
4: you. But No, I can't stand it. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. I got one more quick question. You bet. What's the torque on an oil plug for an engine like that? That is a 4.8 or 5.3.
1: Or a six liter, five three. It's going to be eighteen foot pounds. Eighteen foot pounds. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Got aluminum. Got aluminum. Okay.
0: All right, man. Thanks Thank a lot. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye. Four nine 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 five two six number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, that's the advantage of working on cars all day long. There you go. You know all that. That's <laughs> it. Funny, I had a guy ask me years ago. He says, "Man, what's the fire auto on a small block <laughs> One eight four three six five seven two. You just know it. You know you that's it. embedded in your memory. Oh yeah, absolutely burned in your mind. It's that's like it. What I call Chris over at All Star sometimes for parts, you know he'll rattle off the part number. I'm like, right. How did you know that? <laughs> hey, <laughs> I do this all day long. That's it. Let's see. I think we had time for another call before the break. up! he said no. He okay. G- gave, well, f- gave me the finger. Uh-oh. <laughs> as long as it was the right one. Yeah, well, as long as it wasn't the middle finger. There you did, go. Uh, I guess we'd be all right. Hey, we're <laughs> going to take a quick little break. John, David, hold on. You guys will be straight up after this break.
3: Just a guy here for Agco Automotive with a few things I'm tired of. I'm tired of reality TV. There's nothing real about it. I'm tired of all those housewives, the Kardashians, the brides, the bachelors, celebrities in rehab. Here's an idea. Let's ship all the Flavor Flaves, Snookies, and Honey Boo Boo's off to a deserted island and watch America's average IQ jump up a few points. I'm also really tired of automotive repair shops that promote an 89.95 brake job and then hit the folks for 500 bucks and give them a lousy job. Listen to me, and take your vehicle to Agco, where you get quality work performed right the first time for a reasonable price. And that, my friends, is a reality. Want more info? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, hey, welcome back. If you just join
0: us the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldezan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, True Drills, try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? It's 499 9526. And we're going back to our phone lines John. Good morning, John.
2: Hey, good morning. Yes, good sir. morning. So I have a 2004 Toyota Tundra mm-hmm. with about 90,000 miles on it. Okay. And got a squeaking noise in it when you put it in drive. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Just let it start going. Rolling slow? Itself. Yes, sir.
0: hmm. <laughs> I know exactly what it is. Yeah, most likely going to be the U-joints in it, John. They've had some issues with that on the Toyotas. I don't know if they didn't get enough grease in them when they built it or whatever, but we change those U-joints all the time. and It'll be a little chirp, 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 chirp as you're rolling slow. It always seems to be the
1: one right up behind the transmission Yeah, that's the one making the noise. The most but
0: noise. Yeah, it could be any one of the right. three. But now what happens is that when you get a little faster, it kind of goes away. It's actually still loud, but it just turns to a frequency you can't hear anymore. Pretty important to go ahead and get that taken care of, John, because it's also vibrating, even though you may not feel it. It'll eventually beat the seal out the back transmission. It may beat the seal out your pinion on your rear end. So you want to get that taken care of, and we normally change all three of them when we go in there. Okay,
2: and not just greasing, but actually... There is
0: no greasing, no, it's a seal joint. Do you use a truck fishing or anything where you back down the water? Okay. Yeah, a lot of people who use them to launch their boats have that troll because they back down the water. Now, driving through high water will do the same thing. When I say high, if you're driving through water six, eight inches deep, that water will be in there. It will leak past the seal. It's not going to fail right then and maybe a year later. But once that water gets in and emulsifies the grease, and once the grease is emulsified, it's going to break down and it's gonna, joints are going to go bad. But I would almost bet you that. I mean, I can't guarantee you it not something else squeaking because, of course, other things can squeak. But, man, that's a classic symptom on that truck.
6: Started yesterday
0: mm-hmm. has his son's
2: truck. is eighteen, and I just want to go ahead. I, you know, should I tell
0: him to park it? You don't have to park, it. I mean, he could drive it over the weekend or maybe for a week till he can get it into a shop and get it serviced. But I wouldn't go from here to New York in it or anything. You know, drive it at least possible because it it does do other damage, and not something you want to just disregard. But right. if you crawl under and look real close at each one of you joints, you'll probably see one of them with some rust coming out of the cap, and that's going to be the one that it is. All right? very much. Okay, man. Thank you. Thank Bye-bye. You, 499-9526 number. If you want to report of the Automotive I we'd love to have you. And we're going back to the phone lines with David. Good morning, David.
2: Hey, good morning, Lewis. Yes, sir. Thank good morning. You, thank you for taking my call. Yes, I sir. have a 2000 Honda Accord mm-hmm. with a little four-cylinder VTEC. Okay. I'm having an idling problem. Okay. didn't start until after I attempted to clean the throttle body. Okay. Hey, what's happening, Lewis, I'll start it up in the morning mm-hmm. when it's cold, and it'll go ahead and it'll do fine. And after it runs, say, for probably about 30, 40 seconds, it'll start racing back and forth between 1,000 and 2,000 RPM. Yeah, it's
0: trying to find idle.
2: Now, when I drop it down into gear, Mm -hmm. it's idling too high as well. It's around 1,200 RPM. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, it runs fine once you get out and drive it.
0: Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. I tell you what I would.
2: If a red light, it'll pulsate like that every
0: day. Yeah, what I would try on there, Dave, at first is you don't have a check engine light or anything, do you? Yeah, it just came on, yeah. Okay, well, go get the check engine light checked first before you do anything else, and make sure that it's not something like an idle solenoid that's bad. Because what I'm going to tell you next is going to destroy all the diagnostic information. But if you get it checked, write down any codes. Then go ahead and disconnect the battery and take and just touch two cables together. That'll kill all the memory. Put it back together. Touch two two cables. cables, Yes, yes, take them off the battery and touch them together. That kills all the memory in the vehicle. Okay. Okay. Put them back on. Turn the air conditioner off put everything off and crank it up and let it sit there and idle in park or in neutral for about Mm -hmm. two minutes. Yes, sir. Drop it down in the drive with your foot on the brake and let it idle for about two minutes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Turn the air conditioner on and let it run for about two minutes. Okay. Okay. And see if it doesn't smooth out. Because what happens, see, when you clean the throttle body, it had learned idle with the dirty throttle body. Yes, sir. So the idle changed and it may not be able to adjust on its own when you disconnect the battery and brain dead it it's going to lose all that data so then it's going to come back and relearn when you use that procedure but it's important to write down any codes that are in there because once you do that you can lose all the codes also and that way if there is another problem you won't be able to diagnose it so get it checked first write down the codes make sure now if there's a code and go ahead and address that now see a couple of other things that can cause that would be like a vacuum leak or a Mm -hmm. bad idle servo a vacuum leak will show up as like a lean bank one, like a PO-174 or PO-171 type code, something like that. Yes, something like a throttle position sensor can cause that. So a lot of things can cause it, but a loss of idle memory can also do it. So that's right, the now, procedure I would try.
2: Yes, and I've been fighting it for about a week.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, now, it, it will gone. not relearn. You know, If it was dirty and you cleaned it and it started then, it's not going to relearn if it hadn't yes, done right. it already.
6: Yes, sir. Well, let me have to tell you one other it. thing. Now, mm-hmm. I've gone
2: to a few of these parts stores, like mm-hmm. where I'm driving down the road, and the light would come on. Mm-hmm. And every time I go, I get a different reading. Okay. One time it says the idle air control valve is bad.
5: Mm-hmm. Well, it and doesn't it say
2: says,
0: the valve's bad. It says it can't control idle.
2: Yes, sir. It says then it says a map sensor. And yeah. It
0: goes, All that goes along in the same thing. Sounds like to me you got a vacuum leak. Because a vacuum leak will set a code for not failure to control idle. It'll also set a mass airflow code because it's got the wrong amount of air going in it. it may That's set right. an oxygen sensor code because the engine's leaning out. So that one problem can set a whole bunch of problems. Now, it's
1: very possible you knocked the vacuum line off while you were doing in there doing the work. Because could, it, it happens possibly. to us in the shop sometimes. Mm-hmm.
0: Could be. Now, yeah. I'll tell you something else that happens on that engine all the time is that uh-huh. where the EGR feeds into the ports, they had a bad problem with those ports clogging up with carbon and what'll happen is that 3 of the 4 ports will clog up so they quit working. Now when the EGR valve opens, it dumps everything into one port, which is like a big old vacuum leak. Mm-hmm. Okay? And so it's going to start saying it's not going to set an EGR code cuz EGR is flowing, but it's going to set all kind of other crazy codes. And you got to pull the intake off, grind all the carbon out and all that kind of stuff. So you could even have something like that. Well, so it's
2: possible.
0: The car is old. Yeah, you need to get that to probably somebody knows what to do and let them diagnose it for you. Yeah. But you could try, like I said, write down whatever codes you're in. Try yeah. clearing your memory and just see. If that doesn't do it, then you're into something else. Well,
5: Lewis,
2: I'm going to try that. Mm-hmm. If I can't do it, I'm going to come see you. There yeah, you go. How busy are you guys Monday?
0: Way busy. <laughs> <laughs> I think right now we're taking appointments for after July.
2: Oh, Lord. Yeah, yeah. So wait, you, wait, you do wait. appointment only then, huh?
0: Yeah, well, we take drop-in, but, again, if you drop in, I'm going to have to put you next in line, which might be two days. Get sure. to it well, quick I'll, as I can. But. Well,
2: if I can't get it, I'll, I'll call you guys. Okay. If we can't get it to you.
0: Sounds great. All right, sir. Thank you very Thanks, much, David. Mm-hmm. Right. Bye-bye. 499-9526 number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we'd love to have you. And we've got Don online. Good morning, Don.
5: Yeah, how are you doing this Doing morning? great, sir. Good morning. Look, you fellas do a great job, too, uh, Baton Rouge. Well, thank, thank you. Sir. Man, i listen to you every Saturday morning. Well, good deal. Got three questions, quick questions. I have a 1989 Toyota Camry LE with a 2.0 engine. Okay. I bought it brand new in 1989. Yes, nine. It's Got about 162,000 miles on it. Wow. I got three quick questions. Okay. I had new tires put on it, mm-hmm. and the fella told me after about 100 miles to come back, and have the lug nuts retarque on all four. Okay. Mm-hmm. What is the torque on that?
1: I believe it's around 80 foot pounds, but I'm not 100% sure. I have sure to on look it up and as yeah.
5: Dad
0: on the car at old because I don't work on that often, Don. I kind of slip my memory. Probably oh. around 75 to 80 foot pounds somewhere in that neighborhood.
5: On the torque, huh? Yes, sir. Yes, mm-hmm. sir. Well, they talked to him when I bought the new tires, but he told me I could bring it back and they'd recheck it. Well, it's know?
0: not a bad idea. I mean, uh, most people don't do that. Technically, you should do that anytime you take the wheels off. You should come back after a while and recheck them, but most people don't do it, and they get by just fine. There's rarely a problem with it, but They're, certainly not a bad idea. They like to do that a lot on new set of rims. Yeah, you know, new wheels, they do it they, a lot. They do it.
5: I just had new tires put on the old ramp. Yes, Correct. sir. It's not going to hurt
0: anything to have it done, for sure.
5: Yeah, right. Okay, next question is, I've never seen a check engine light come on my car since I've owned it. Uh-huh. Is there one on that yep. car? Yes, sir, absolutely.
0: It's got one. Now, Don, see, prior to 1996, that was what they called pre-OBD 2 OBD2 checks about 2,000 different things. Those older cars maybe checked about 35 or 40 things. Mm-hmm. So the odds of a light coming on were far, far, far less. You didn't have stuff like advanced evaporative emissions testing. There's lots of tests it didn't run. It didn't have heated oxygen sensors probably on it. So it's only checking the oxygen sensor sweep, not the heat. So a lot of the things that cause a lot of lights, that car didn't do. So okay. therefore, Unless something really pretty catastrophic happened, the light wasn't going to come on. So don't worry about it. No, absolutely not. Now, when you turn the ignition switch to on, it should come on, and it'll stay on for a second and then go off. That's what they call a bulb check. Right. Now, if that's not happening, it could be the bulbs burned out. Oh. So just turn the switch to on but not start, and the light should come on for a second and then go off. If it does that, then it's working.
5: Where is that located? The left side? Or? I
0: don't know. Somewhere on your dash, you'll see it. It'll be a little picture of a motor
5: check yeah, I'll check that. Mm-hmm. Matt yeah, because it does
0: have a bulb in it, and they will burn out sometimes.
5: Okay, it might be that. But, mm-hmm. but the last question is about three weeks ago, going down the road, and I seen steam coming out of my hood. And okay. I pulled over mm-hmm. right away, you yes.
0: know, mm-hmm.
5: and I had a hose broke. Okay. The engine ran hot, you know. Okay. I didn't drive it anymore. It was right by a neighborhood there. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. And the neighbor was real nice. He went over and got a hose and put it on for me okay would that hurt my engine if it ran hot probably
0: not it's a pretty tough little engine it can take a certain amount of overheating i mean obviously there's limits to everything and if you peg it over 260 degrees it's going to kill it but temporary overheat situation it didn't get too hot probably not
5: didn't drive it
0: yeah i would be a little bit concerned don if he changed the hose and he took a garden hose and filled it up with water like most people do that's what we did yeah that's going to be a real big problem for you you're going to need to go and have the coolant changed out and get a coolant And distilled water mix put back in.
5: I've done that already. Yeah, (laughs)
0: if you did that, you ought to be good then, because I drained
5: drained the radiator. I come on home, Mm -hmm. bought me a a gallon of that the the pure, the all antifreeze. Yes, sir. Not the half and half, Mm -hmm. a whole gallon, Mm -hmm. and I drained the radiator and I poured the the antifreeze. Okay, well,
0: see, that's not gonna work either. Huh? That's not gonna work either because antifreeze is a whole lot heavier than water. So what you got now is you got pure antifreeze going around the bottom of the mold and water going around top. You have to go back and drain it all out, including the engine block. You got to pre-mix it before you pour it in with oh. distilled water. With distilled water, not city water, right. and then top it off. If not, you're going to have some bad corrosion problems.
5: Oh, I see. Uh, you got a brand new radiator on it.
0: Yeah, so you're going to have to drain the radiator and the engine block now because you got the chemistry way, way off on it. See, that oh. coolant's going to go to the bottom of that engine block and sit there because it's way okay. heavier than water. But it will not tough. mix in the engine.
5: Yeah, that's a tough uh, engine. In it course. is.
0: Boy, mm-hmm.
5: I, yeah, I've never had no trouble. Mm-hmm. Well, look, I sure do. Thank you. All right, Ms. Don. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks nice for calling. No, no. Bye-bye. 499-9526. The number If you want to be part of the Automotive I we'd love to have you. And we got Manisha on the line. Good morning, Manisha.
6: Good morning. How y'all doing? Doing, doing great ma'am. Well. Um I have an uncle and an aunt that are looking to sell a car. I've been interested in it and they just recently at first of all it's a two thousand five Chrysler PT Cruiser. I'm not sure about the engine size. I wanna say mm-hmm. probably it's two point four. Yes, ma'am. And they just recently got a motor put in it and the auto shop they took it to told and they needed a computer in the transmission. Okay. And what my uncle is telling me is doing that he's probably able to drive about twenty, twenty five miles in the car and then it slows down, and it won't go over 25
0: miles an hour. Because that car does not have drive-by-wire. That actually has a cable on the throttle, so the computer really would not shut down the throttle like it does on some of the later model cars for instance when they get a confused signal what will happen is it goes to default mode and the throttle won't open even though you're ex- using the accelerator pedal that sounds more like something like maybe the catalytic converters plugging up and it's building up back pressure so the car won't go it could possibly be it's losing fuel pressure or something like that so i would be sure i got a proper diagnosis on it could be something got left off when the engine was put in who knows but need to get it checked out real good i certainly wouldn't go and put a computer in hoping to fix that problem i would probably get someone else to diagnose that that i knew and trusted because i wouldn't if you go stick a computer and still doing it now what Spend a whole lot of money for nothing so i would want some kind of assurance from whoever does it and you always know you're in the right shop if you take it in they diagnose you they say okay this is what's wrong so okay now when you change that do you guarantee it will fix this problem And with Mm -hmm. no hesitation, I say, yes, we guarantee it'll fix the problem. Then you're in the right shop.
6: Okay. If they start,
0: well, uh, you know, we're going to have to, uh, well, then, you know. Okay. So you just saying, because I know my
6: dad... He's actually come to Coach several times. He's brought my current car there a lot of times mm-hmm. as well. So, you know, we're real familiar with you guys. Yes, ma'am. And, you know, he was just saying that it could have been maybe if they hooked the motor up wrong. Since that it
0: could be. Last, it it could easily be. It could easily be a ground wire left off mm-hmm. or anything. You know, I mean, when the motor was out, there's a million things that can go wrong and could easily be a wire that's disconnected or something like that. So I sure wouldn't go changing a computer until I knew for certain that was the problem.
6: Welcome on the Cliffs. I see you guys. I thank you so much. All right, right, ma'am. All right. Thank you. All
0: right. Bye-bye. All right, 499-9526 number if you want to be part of the Automotive Hour. And we're going right back to our lines with Greg. Good morning, Greg.
5: Good morning. I was going to go to your
2: website because I know the answer to this question <laughs> is on there, but I figured why not just speak to
0: the, yeah, yeah, well, the, to mouth. the man in person.
2: Um, why should I torque my lug nuts?
0: If you don't torque your lug nuts, one of two things is normally going to happen. One of three things is normally going to happen. Number one, either they're going to be too loose or they're going to be too tight or they're going to be unevenly tightened. Now, this is the reasons why on older cars, see, most of us grew up back in the 60s and all that where they didn't care a whole lot about efficiencies and things like that. So when they made a, a hub for a front end, it was probably four times heavier than it needed to be. And if you talked it to 50 foot-pounds, you talked to 150 foot-pounds, it really wasn't going to make much difference. Now those are engineered down to the absolute minimum thickness they can be. And let's say it's supposed to have 85 foot-pounds of torque on it, and you run it down to 150, you're going to probably warp that hub. When you warp the hub, the rotor's on top of the hub, and it's going to end up warping the rotor, and you're going to end up with problems, 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 problems. More of a problem than under or over-tightening is uneven tightening. And there's all that has to be evenly tightened so that it spreads down equally. And not only does it need to be the right torque, but it needs to be incrementally torqued and in the proper pattern, sort of a star-type pattern across from each other. That allows that rotor to go down onto that hub nice and flat like it needs to be and hold equal pressure on it because he has such a problem with rotor warpage with unequal torque.
2: Okay. And I can probably Google this if you don't know, but off the top of your head, Mm -hmm. torque amount for an 03 Camry.
0: I don't know off the top of my head, it's going to be somewhere around 75 to 80, 80 foot pounds, yeah. or you can uh-huh. send me an email. I'll look it up for you in service data. I don't know the exact amount. Now, one last thing, Greg, people make this mistake all the time because they just don't understand how torque is. And if you go on a website and look up torque, it's going to give you more information you ever want to know. Okay. Don't lubricate those threads. Okay. Okay. People tend to want to lubricate them or put never seize and all that stuff on them. Right. Torque is not tightness. Torque is a resistance to turn. That equates to tightness. But it's for a dry bolt with a dry nut. If you lubricate it, then it is much, much, much tighter because the resistance is much less. So the same amount of turning force will actually stretch that lug a lot more, and you'll end up wringing the lug nuts off on it. So it goes on there dry with dry nut and a dry stud, and that's what that torque is designed to be.
5: Good deal. All right. Good to help. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Ray. All
0: right. So bye-bye. bye-bye. Hey, one more last little break, and we'll be right back with more in the Automotive Hour.
3: Just a guy here for Agco Automotive with a little advice for those who overshare on Facebook. I know, I friended you. But please, I don't need to know what you had for breakfast or where you just scratched. I don't need to know your Uncle Dominic's political beliefs or that your mom painted her kitchen a color called Frosted Fern. And for the last time, we don't care that your cat, Doogie Meowser, really looks like Neil Patrick Harris. Some more advice? In this tight economy, why waste money on a new vehicle? Stick with your older model and take good care of it to make sure it lasts. Come to Adco for quality maintenance and repair, and we'll save you from throwing money away on a big note so you can pay other bills or save for something else. In Facebook terms, that's something you'll definitely like. Want more info? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. Agco, it's the place to go.
0: Hey, welcome back final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvazan, president of Agco Automotive. Got our lead tech, Mr. De Brian Terry, right here by my side. Hey, between the two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call. It's 499-9526. There we go. I had to reach away and grab something. <laughs> we still got a few minutes. We can get some calls in. I got an email here from a gentleman in it's Elma, Washington. And he had bought a set of tires from a local tire store, and he says he fought with it for about a year. Shaking. Really? And yeah, just just wow. kept having trouble shaking, kept going back, arguing with him about it. Never was right. Finally got a supervisor and checked it and found out the tires were out of round. Okay. Well, in the interim, he's put about 10,000 miles on the vehicle. Okay. So they did agree to give him another set of tires, but he said now his shocks are fried. I don't doubt and, it. And yeah, he was emailing and says, Do you think this caused it? And I said, Well, he's only got low mileage on it. I want to say 71,000 miles. Okay. On a three quarter ton truck. I said, Well, the odds of those shocks wearing out in 71,000 miles, other than the tires beating the snot out of them, is pretty darn low. Oh, yeah. So I would say the odds of like, the tires? Yeah. Yeah. Beating the shocks beating out? The yeah. Shocks out. Because. Yeah, an all around tire is going to bounce like the devil, and the shock is going to try to hold it planted. It, that's it what can't. it's his they, job. Yeah, and it's going to end up beating your shocks to death. So he needs to go back and kind of renegotiate that little deal. I hear that. <laughs> so and, and, and make sure they put the uh, factory shocks back on, not some cheap aftermarket junk. That's
1: Boy, I tell you, we see that all, all yeah. the time.
0: Now it really bouncing around. Yeah. <laughs> Got another email here from a fellow named John, and I hope I pronounced the name of the city right. I think it's so New York. And John's got a little 2004 Honda Element, and he says he keeps wearing the rear brake pads out, and particularly one pad more than the other. Okay. And he's actually changed his calipers a couple of times on it, and he just he he's real confused trying to figure out what's going on. And I told him what he needs to do. Be sure, because a lot of times when you buy a caliper, it doesn't actually come with the slides.
1: Right. It comes as just a caliper. Mm-hmm. You can buy them either way. You can buy them just a the caliper, or you can buy the caliper assembly. Right. Which comes with new pins, new slides, new brackets, mm-hmm. caliper, everything to put it on with right
0: and you got to make sure that the slides are free those slides allow the fact that there's only one piston in that caliper to apply both pads correct because what it does it applies one the caliper slides over which applies the other but when you release it has to release the other one as well so i told him check for that also check and make sure that the parking brake is not maybe hanging up on him especially being up in that region of the country of course it gets a lot of ice and snow and you get a lot of salt on the road so those cables can rust up your parking brake cable may hold slightly tension on one of those pads, you know, because it keeps it applied just slightly. And lastly, it would be you need to go in and do some kind of a hydraulic test on it to see if there's some kind of hydraulic pressure being re- residually kept on the system. So that's just a couple of quick emails we got. There you go. Let's go back to our phone lines. We got Jeff online. Good morning, Jeff.
5: Good morning. Yes, Good sir. morning. I like y'all's show. Well, thank it's been you. Handy. Yes, sir. I got a 2006 Toyota Tundra four wheel drive. Okay. And I'm having trouble with when I put it in four-wheel drive mm-hmm. and it goes in four-wheel drive high. Then I want I go to drop out. It won't drop out. It takes like i got to ride with it for a long time, like it's sticking four-wheel drive high. Then if I go to put it in four-wheel drive low, it'll go in four-wheel drive low. And it'll stay in low. For a long time before it drops out back to high.
0: Yeah, it sounds Jeff like maybe there's a part called an encoder motor that actually does the shifting in that transfer case to move it between yep. the gears. Sounds like an encoder motor could be hanging up possibly. I'd have to see it to tell you for sure. I hadn't I can't say that I've seen that particular problem before. So it's not a common issue that oh yeah, they all do this. Not on a Toyota. Not on a Toyota, I really hadn't seen it. But that would be what because if it eventually does go ahead and shift, then I would say then all your switches and electrical system and all that's working because it's obviously getting the command. Yeah, it's got a little motor that has to turn it. I would think that either that motor is going bad or possibly is binding. How many miles are on it, Jeff? 85. Yeah, fairly low mileage. You might just try draining and refilling the transfer case and see if new lubricant helps. I mean, it's not going to necessarily fix it, but it's certainly not going to hurt it. At 85,000, is due anyway. And it's possible some fresh oil may loosen it up, free it up for you, because it could be the slider sleeve or something that's binding a little bit. You just have to make sure you use the correct fluid. Yeah. And don't, I'm not, don't
1: run down to the parts house and buy an all-purpose fluid no, for no. it. No, no.
0: I would go to a Toyota dealer and tell them you want the transfer case fluid. I'm not sure what fluid that one takes. I'd have to look it up, but there is probably a specific fluid for it. I would try that first. If okay, that doesn't yeah, get it, then that. I would probably suspect either the coder motor is going bad or maybe the slider sleeve is binding inside the transfer case. Now, this truck is equipped with the touch select system you may have to start rolling if you're sitting still when you make the shift it may have to actually start rolling before it'll shift into low or high particularly if the low or high light starts to flash if you sit there long enough just make sure you're rolling whenever you shift it that could also affect that okay all righty
2: okay thank you all right sir
0: bye-bye all right, man, we're going to have to get on out of here. I want to thank everybody for listening to us this morning and every Saturday morning on Automotive Hour. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. Go to iTunes, tell your friends about us, give us a written rating. Yeah, we really appreciate those written ratings. That really helps to move us up in the ratings so more people can listen, and that's the ultimate goal of the entire show. So exactly. we really appreciate if you do that for us. Hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend. Mm-hmm.